Good morning. It's great to see each of you. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. I love when the, well, in some ways I love when the Spirit interrupts things. Other ways it's not so fun because uh, it's not comfortable for our flesh. But uh, last night I went to a um, concert with different bands and so forth. And we were in what used to be Arco Arena. I don't know what it is now. <laughs> a sleep train pavilion or whatever it's called. Um, and the spirit just really moved. And there were tens of thousands of people worshiping, just lifting their hands to the Lord and their hearts to the Lord. And man, was it powerful. And um, they asked the pastors to go to the back, backstage, and the, some of the artists came into a room. There were hundreds of us and just prayed for us and um, encouraged us. And uh, we asked us to, to, to gather around in groups uh, and to um, just pray for the invitation. And thousands of people came to know Christ last night. And I woke up this morning just thinking about the glory of God in heaven and wanting to just be around that throne of grace and just to worship him. And the Lord changed my text for this morning and uh, changed the whole order of service, changed everything, changed the worship set. We're going to have an extended time of worship today. And so I don't know what he has in store, but I know that uh, it's going to be good. And so we want to worship him and be thankful. It's the week of Thanksgiving, and we want to give thanks to him. And uh, obviously he wants us to Uh, focus on him and thank him for all the things that he's done in our lives and to worship him and to respond appropriately as best as we can however you would however you want to define appropriately when you're talking about that kind of a that kind of a sacrifice and what he did for us and so uh, we just want to be led by the spirit there are people praying for this service right now and um, if I get emotional I apologize ahead of time but that's that's how I react sometimes um when he's moving and, uh, and, and touching my heart. And so if I um, lose it a little bit, please be gracious with me. I'll be gracious with you if you uh, uh, get emotional or whatever. But let's just ask the Lord's blessing on our day this morning. Father, we are grateful that we serve a living God that has worked in such a way in our lives that You produce worship in the deepest parts of who we are. And we want to glorify you this morning. Every one of us has something to be thankful for to you, Lord. Even if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, they have have things to be thankful for. We pray, Lord, that as we focus on you and how great you are and what kind of a blessing God you are, that your heart would be blessed. We're not interested in going through any motions or rituals, Lord, and we're thankful that you come and interrupt our normal plan that we believe is led by you and has been led by you, but you interrupt us at times so that we can uh, participate in what you want to do that's unique and special to a certain moment and a certain time. And so we're grateful, Lord, that not just uh, our hearts, Lord, but um, your heart towards us is a heart of love far greater than we could ever love you. And we're grateful for all the servants that change things up today. And we're flexible to let your Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. And so we thank you for your spirit moving and leading. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, 
lead us as only you can. We pray that you'd freshly fill us with your spirit and come upon us to overflowing, Lord. We're grateful, Lord, that we could never express to you all that you're worthy of. For all eternity, we will never exhaust expressing to you how great and wonderful you are. We worship you. We thank you for your goodness. We remember your works. And and we know that only you could have done the things in our lives that you've done. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's stand together and let's turn to Psalm 103. Psalm 103, very well-known psalm, says a psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is, that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfi- satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made his ways, he, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust, As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it and is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his, who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's pray together. Lord, we are grateful for your word. We're thankful, Lord, that it endures forever. Lord, it will outlive the heavens and the earth. Speak to us by your Holy Spirit and encourage your people in how you have worked in their lives today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. For those of you that are just joining us, uh, we are in Psalm 103. Uh, And we will have worship a little bit later. So we're doing things a little bit different this morning. So Psalm 103, that's where we're at. And the Lord, this is a Psalm of David. 
David obviously uh, was expressing his heart to worship here. I believe that David, if God led him, he would have been a priest, just a worshiper, just leading God's people in worship. And obviously he did through many of these psalms and in his own life. And, of course, we know that David wasn't perfect, <laughs> very flawed, uh, but he was someone that had a heart after God. And even though during that year of time when after he sinned with Bathsheba and didn't repent for a year, and there's other psalms that talk about the heaviness and how difficult that time was and how hard it was to, to be under the Lord's hand of conviction there, he finally gave, up, he gave uh, that up to God and he, gave, he said uncle, so to speak, and, and he repented. And he talked, he talked about in the psalms of, you know, uh, how wonderful it is to be forgiven and how beautiful God's forgiveness is and how, how majestic his name is in terms of how God had dealt with him uh, in his grace and in his loving kindness. And so many of the Psalms, we, sometimes we forget that the Psalms are written from somewhere. They're written from a heart that has gone through something with the Lord, that have a, that a heart that has had a history with God where they have gone through specific things with the Lord and dealt with, been dealt with by the Lord and had gone through difficulty and trials and brokenness and pruning and these different things and, and failures for sure. But there was a time where they experienced God's grace and God's love and God's power in their lives. And they're so thankful to, to the Lord for that, that they couldn't hold that back. They had to express their heart before the Lord. How many of us have ever thought of a new song, uh, something that, they, that we want to say to the Lord that, that we wouldn't want anyone to hear but him? We would never want anyone to hear what we'd have to say to him uh, because of the way our voice sounds, except there are a few people uh, that we would say, okay, um, we would like to hear them sing. But most of us, it, you know, it's, it's, it's not real pretty for the rest of the world to hear. But to the Lord, it's like artwork that's on the refrigerator. It's, it's because we're his children and it's a work of art to him. It's us expressing our hearts to him, but not just uh, out of nowhere with, without any history. We have a long history with God. And as, this morning, as I was thinking about standing before him, and I was thinking about just, you know, worshiping him as we look at him on the throne, and I'm sure that we will have that intimacy, obviously, that we have now with him. Why would it be any less in heaven? I believe it would, be, it would be more in heaven. And as we gaze upon him, and let's, I just imagine my eyes making contact with him. And, ha, and me knowing he knows my history with him, and he knows my history, I mean, I know his history with, with me and so forth. We have that history, we have that connection. And, you know, when you know somebody for a long time and you're good friends and you have a long history of that beautiful relationship together, and then you haven't seen each other in a while, let's say, and you see them for the first time in a long time, and you glance at them, and their eyes meet yours, and your eyes meet theirs, and you just, you have that instant connection because you have that long history. Well, how much more with God? All that he's done for us, how he's plucked us out of the pit, how he's plucked us out of, of the mess that our lives were, the, the, the wreck our lives were before we came to know him, those of us that know him in this room. We have all of that, but then we have you know, before that, thinking about how he was showing his faithfulness to us even before we came to know him in a personal relationship. How many of us, after we've come to know him, have looked back and thought, 
He was, his fingerprints are all over my life way before I ever dreamed uh, of, of him being involved in my life. His, his, him sending certain people to talk to us. Him showing us love and faithfulness and all the way back before we could even remember anything about him. He was showing his faithfulness. Then we came to know him and the light came on. And, and we had that incredible, wow, I can't believe what's going on behind the scenes spiritually and, and, and what's at work in people's lives. And, and the, the spiritual light is turned on. And, and then we get to, to explore his greatness and his amazing word and his people and all these things. And then as we, as we start developing that heart of worship, you know, because again, through relationship with him and going through difficulty and going through trials and the highs and the lows of life, you start building a testimony. I mean, our testimony is not just our salvation testimony. We have people, when we can, have, come up here and share their salvation testimony once a month. Last week, I forgot, so we didn't have that. That's just had, a, had a, a senior moment, a senior pastor moment, you know, where you just forget obviously important things, but God's gracious. We'll have another one, Lord willing, next week if we don't get raptured. Uh, but, you know, God works in our lives, and that testimony keeps building and building and building. And I believe when we're before him on that day, when we're standing before him and we're worshiping him at that throne room of grace, we're going to remember our whole testimony. We're going to remember everything. And we're also going to remember the things that we missed out on for that doing something that we were supposed to do for him or in the right motive or led by the Spirit and we weren't doing it in love or we weren't doing it led by the Spirit. And, and, and he wants so badly to give us that reward for it, but he can't because that's how he set things up. And, and we wouldn't want it anyway. And if he gave it to us, we'd, we'd throw it back at his feet, not as worship, but just as no. I mean, there's no way that I deserve this in any way whatsoever. And, and because I didn't have the heart of love and I wasn't led by the Spirit and so forth. And so uh, we'll think back about all those things and we'll just stand before him and worship out of thankfulness. Thankfulness will be the theme, I believe, in heaven as we worship. Because why, why else would we worship except for thankfulness for who he is? Not just what we get, and we're going to go through a few of his benefits here, as he says in verse 2, but it's not so much that... What he gives us is the prize. That's the teaching of many other places that aren't biblical. He's the prize. He's the treasure. And his people are the treasure. Not all the things that we get, so to speak. Even though they're wonderful and he wants us to enjoy those things. And he wants us to, to be thankful for those things because he lists them here so that we can be thankful for them. But it's him. He's the reward. He's the, the one that uh, we, we can't wait to see. Heaven becomes heaven because he's there. And he makes it a point in Revelation when he, re, when he reveals to us by his spirit that he dwells in the midst of his people. And there's no need for a son anymore because he illuminates everything. He wants us to know that he's in the center of, of, of everything that's going on there. That's what makes it heaven. And that's what makes hell hell. What makes hell hell is that he won't be there in the sense that he'll be in heaven. And that should motivate us even more, especially as we think about all that we have to be thankful for related to all those that aren't going to heaven. All those that still don't know Christ. 
And we walk around our lives, myself included, so often hardened and without any compassion for those that are without him, that are needy, that don't know him, that are on their way to hell, that are one heartbeat away from being in a Christless eternity. And we're fine with just letting them live their lives that way. I'm talking to myself too. And it doesn't mean that we're responsible for speaking to every single human life, every single one of us, but we have to be open and ready to share so that others can come in this place and share a heart of thanksgiving. They are pre-Thanksgiving givers out there because they're pre-Christians. We need to see them as pre-believers because God is willing that none should perish but that all come to repentance. So it's a great opportunity here as we look at this psalm quickly to remember how blessed and the extent to which we are blessed. And it goes far beyond what this psalm can say, amen? It surely does. Now he starts here by saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that, is with, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And he says, all there, with all that is within me. You know, he says to love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength. The repeating word there is all, all, everything. Because he's worthy of everything. And he's worthy of more than everything. <laughs> he's worthy of more than we could possibly give him, but it includes our, our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, our finances, our time, our service, our relationships. You know, everything that he's entrusted with his stewards, he wants those things to be directed back to him. And he says, bless his holy name. And, and we've talked about this before. A name is your character. It's who, it rep- who, you, who represents or how you represent uh, people to the or yourself to the world when people say out there well he's a good man he has a good name that's what that means character and we're going to be talking about characters we start titus uh, but you know we have this need to de- to declare to him everything that's wrapped up in that name the name of jesus that's above every name there's so much wrapped up in that name I mean, how, how long could we go talking about everything that's wrapped up in that name and all that's worthy to be praised and thanked uh, related to that name? And he says, my soul needs to give everything with, to God and worship that beautiful name. And then he says it again, which is interesting. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and, and forget not all his benefits. Now, his benefits exhaust the word of God. In terms of, he's way bigger than his word in terms of all that he is. He's infinite. His word won't return void, and it's going to outlive the heavens and the earth, and it's far greater than we could ever comprehend. But he, he equates his name with his word, and he says that, uh, that he exalts his word over his name, but he is still infinite. There's more to the revelation of God than his word, and we'll find that out because he says we're going to be growing in the riches of his grace for all eternity. Well, those things are obviously beyond what we can know now, in part because we'll have a new body. We'll be able to, to apprehend those things and to assimilate those things. But it's, his, his benefits are huge. So first of all, they're far beyond what this list says, and that's something to be thankful for. To, to worship a God that we could understand and fully think is not a God that we'd want to worship. The ultimate idea of how great God could ever be thought of is, has to be beyond what we can think. Because then he's, if not, he's no greater than our minds. But he is greater than our minds. And so we can worship him. But he gives a list here. He says, who forgives all your iniquities. Interesting because, you know, we don't believe that it's guaranteed in this life that we will 
receive physical healing every single time. That's not a biblical teaching. But he has provided for healing in the atonement for us to either be healed in this life, which he does, and we believe that, but also for all eternity. We will have total healing. We'll have a new body someday. Those people that don't get healed, and I believe a lot more people can, should be asking for healing than do, but those that ask are asking in faith. It takes the same faith to ask for healing as it does to receive salvation. We get salvation 100% of the time, so it's not that we don't have enough faith uh, always. It's because uh, he has his own purposes. First John tells us that if we pray anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we have that which we ask. And many times it is his will. Other times, like the Apostle Paul, he said that a thorn in the flesh was given to me, and I asked three times that it be removed, and, and he said my grace is sufficient. So he either gives us physical healing or he gives us grace to be able to navigate that infirmity, and, and oftentimes he uses those things for his purposes in our lives. And, but he has healing, and all healing that happens is from him. That's what he's saying there in verse 3. Anytime that we see physical healing, whether it's direct, like a miracle, or uh, medical healing from doctors and all of those things, that he gives, he provides, because we're told that every good and perfect gift comes from above. So he provides the wisdom, and he provides all of those things for modern medicine, and we need to give God glory for everything related to healing, even if it comes from a human doctor. And Paul told Timothy, you know, take some wine for your stomach. You know, if, if Timothy could just pray and ask for healing and it work every single time, he wouldn't have told him that. He would have told him, just pray and God's going to heal you 100% of the time. So he says, all, of the, all the times that you are healed, it's, it is because of God. He heals our diseases and also heals our iniquities. Every sin that we have every shortcoming that we have, every time that we rebel against him, every time that we know we should do good and we don't do it, sins of omission, some sins of commission, as we're like, we like to say, all of those sins have been completely paid for. And I think that we will say it is finished in her minds as we're before that throne, as we're giving thanksgiving to him. We will remember him saying on that cross, it is finished. It's a completed work. It's a finished, redemptive work that he accomplished, and we will worship him for that. He says in verse 4, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Think about that. He redeems our lives, and redeem means to purchase. When, so when we were on the slave market so to speak and we were slaves to sin he came along and redeemed us he purchased our freedom because we were slaves to sin and allowed us to be free because freedom isn't doing what you want to do freedom is having the power and the capacity to do what you should do that's biblical freedom and so he says he redeems our life from destruction how many of us have had our lives purchased out of complete and utter destruction how many of us our lives have been transformed and saved. They, they were, our lives were on a course of utter destruction. And he plucked us out right in the nick of time. We were like the person thrown overboard. And we, and we were going to have our last breath. And he threw that life preserver. We didn't get offended that there was only one life preserver. We were oh, how dare you only have one way to save me. No, we were thankful that there was a way to save me. 
But we knew what we were drowning. So many people, because of the deception of the evil one, they don't know they're drowning. And that's how God wants to use us to tell people, you're drowning. You're, you know that you're a sinner, but you don't know that judgment's coming to the extent to which it is. And, and God wants to have us tell them the hard truth because love does the hard, difficult thing. So he redeems our life from destruction and he crowns us, he says there in verse 4, with loving kindness and tender mercies. Wow. What do you do when you crown someone? You're giving them honor. You're giving them a reward. You're showing them that they are someone special. And that's what he's doing. He's saying, I want to crown you with loving kindness. I want to show you my loving kindness and my tender mercies. People think that God of the Old Testament was some, uh, you know, harsh God that we don't see the grace of God in the Old Testament. We only see the grace of God in the New Testament. But when you go ask Ananias and Sapphira about the grace of God in the New Testament, I mean, God, God pours out his wrath in the New Testament too, but he's also very gracious in the Old Testament. He's not just a God that uh, does all these harsh things to judgment. I mean, there are people in the New Testament where the ground swallowed up and they went down, just like in the Old Testament. That's New Testament that we're talking about here. So there's a line that we can cross, and, but his grace reaches out so far to us. When we think we're beyond his reach, and there's so many people out there that are dying right now and going to hell. They're on their way to hell. And they think they're beyond the reach of God. They think that they're, they're, they're without hope. That even the cross of Christ about which they've heard has, in that sacrifice is beyond the, the capacity to save them. And it's a lie from the enemy. Because there is no sin that wasn't paid for on that cross. Osama bin Laden's sins were paid for. Hitler's sins were paid for. Any monster that we can imagine, well, we'll start with us. Those sins were paid for on that cross. And, and so they need to know that. They, all around this community and these communities and this world needs to know that there's no sin that's beyond uh, God's forgiveness here. And he is just longing to crown those people, those pre-Christians out there with loving kindness and tender mercies. And he says in verse 5, who satisfies your mouth with good things. I just realized I didn't start my timer. Oh, well. Doesn't, what else is, what else, what other rule has been broken here today? That's okay. Uh, he, he satisfies your mouth with good things, that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And that could be many different things, but you know, let's start with food. I mean, you know, we're having our agape feast today. Uh, we're having Mexican food, and you know God gives us all things to richly enjoy, and they are set apart and sanctified by prayer. But he says, look at the intent, though, behind it. Look in verse 5, his heart behind it is to satisfy us. He wants to satisfy us in every way, not just spiritually, which he does, and he, he gives us his spirit, and he pours out his spirit upon our lives, but he gives us all things to enjoy to be a good steward of for sure but all things to enjoy and he satisfies our mouth you know he didn't have to give us taste buds you ever think about that he didn't have to give us taste buds <laughs> but he wanted us to taste and see that the lord is good and have a frame of reference to go by to know that we can salivate for him and we could thirst after him and we could want to experience him and that we can have some physical frame of reference to know that's exactly what he intends. Just like 
we can be satisfied physically with food and all those things for refreshment. He wants to refresh us more spiritually. So he satisfies us. And then he says that our youth is renewed like the eagles. What a beautiful picture. You know, some of us are getting older and some of us are younger. Some of us are older in terms of me and how I think of things. And, uh, you know, his, we can be young at heart and young in spirit no matter how old we get. I've known some saints that have walked with the Lord for decades and decades and decades, and it's like they're 18, you know, 16. Uh, spiritually speaking, not in terms of maturity, but in terms of flexibility and pliability and the, the capacity to change on a dime and have the, the, the Spirit redirect them and, and have that, that, that desire to, to have all their energy be used for Christ. It's beautiful how he does it. Verse 6, the Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. That's, it's important for us to see. He cares about the oppressed. There are a lot of people out there that are being oppressed. We were oppressed. And he executes his righteousness and justice. And as we think, how could God allow the wickedness? You know, last week we looked at why do good things happen to bad people? But the common question is why do good things happen to bad people? Or yeah, that's right. No, bad things happen to good people. There we go. And, and we think, why did we struggle with that question? But his, here's his heart right here, that, it, that he, uh, he wants us to, to, to re- realize that his, his righteousness and his justice wants to be I- engaged or want to, wants to experience that in our lives and through our lives every day. And, that, and those, those difficult things and those harsh things, they will be dealt with someday. And they grieve his heart way more than it grieves our hearts. But we're supposed to comfort the weak. We're supposed to help those and pray for those and be comfort to those that are struggling because that's his heart. But that's one of his benefits, just like we've been talking about. The fact that we get his justice and we have his justice supremely demonstrated to us in a way that blesses us related to the cross. Because justice was done. God was kind of in a, a difficult situation, if God can be in a difficult situation. How is he going to show that he's all loving and just at the same time related to mankind's uh, sin? The cross. He gets to be all loving and he gets to be just. Because every single sin that mankind ever committed was paid for on that cross. Every single one. So the, the wrath of God that we deserve was placed on him, so he was totally just. But yet he was showed that he's all loving by coming himself and dying for us on that amazing cross. No one could ever think about that God himself would come in human flesh and condescend to the extent to which he did to allow sinful man to, to do what we did to him and, and, and think that God would ever put up with that so that we could receive salvation as a gift. There's no one that could think that up. We would never think about a God that would be that loving and and gracious, but he was glad to do it. Verse 7, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. So we have a history, we have a heritage. You know, we just put the, uh, today we just put that video in the equipping library about the story of Calvary Chapel. And you can check that out. But that's part of your heritage. But our heritage goes way back beyond that, obviously, all the way to the beginning of God's people following God. You know, Abraham, his descendants would, would be more numerable than the sands of the seashore. And we're the children of Abraham because we're children of faith. Just like Abraham, it was accredited to him as righteousness by faith, not by anything that, that he did. And God repeated that promise 
through the different patriarchs, that he was going to bless them through their lineage and so forth, and the Messiah would come, and that's all of our heritage. So he says his faithfulness and his benefits go all the way back in, in, in the history of God's people. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Again, the Old Testament. Old Testament, all these things are there in the Old Testament. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God. He's the same God, and he is merciful. Mercy is not getting something that you deserve. And grace is getting something good that you don't deserve. And he's all of those things. He doesn't just show those acts. He shows those acts because that's who he is. How he acts is based, in, based on and overflows from who he is. It's rooted and grounded in him. He's slow to anger. It means he's patient. Abounding in mercy. Not just having mercy. Abounding in mercy. Now we'll mention this, Lord willing, next week. But in the Titus, as we start, you know, those three pastoral epistles, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, he's, he adds to grace and peace in the beginning of the books by adding uh, mercy. And, and, and leaders need all the mercy that God can give them. But it, but it, but it also extends beyond leaders who were all are lavished upon by his amazing mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He, he shows his acts of wrath, and he does that. But he's, he's more of a patient God, and, a, and, and when I say more of, I mean it's equal in everything. But what I mean is, is that he, he, the, the, the amount of his patience and his love and his grace, we will see that more because of his work in our lives versus and contrasted against uh, his his, uh, you know, his wrath and forcing him to have to choose between our, our behavior and his word. He's always going to, to, to uh, hold to his word. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> Nor punished us according to our iniquities. Who did he punish according to our iniquities? Jesus. Jesus took that punishment that we deserve. He punished Jesus according to our iniquities. And he dealt with Jesus according to our sins. And that's why we're so grateful and thankful because we, are, we have been, our slate's been wiped clean. And we are whiter than snow and we are pure before him positionally because of all that he has done. That's part of who he is. That's why it's a benefit because it's based on and comes from who he is. And then he says, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. He doesn't say to the extent to which the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. Because those, that mercy and, and, and all those things that he extends to us is far greater. The distance of that is far greater than the distance between uh, the heavens and the earth. But he's saying be, the heavens are high above the earth. And, and God's mercy is, is extended to us from above and, and from the throne of God. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. This is very significant. If, did you know that if you go one direction on the globe and you start, you start drawing a line around a globe east, it goes forever? You're always going east. Or if you go west, conversely, you're going around. And I'm thinking of Superman right now for some reason, uh, <laughs> fortunately. We went around the earth and changed the gravity. I mean, made the day go back. And 
That's my mind. But think about, you know, he goes around and whatever direction you go, you're, as long as you're going one of those directions, you're never going to hit the other direction. As far as you go east, you're never going to hit west. As far as you go west, you're never going to hit east. If you go north around the globe, you're going to start going south. And then you'll start going north again. Those two will meet. But when you go east, to the, as far as the east is from the west, he's saying it's as far away from you as it could possibly go from you. I mean, how else could God say to us that our sins are removed? And the tragedy is that we hold on to those things that God says he's already forgiven us for. He's forgiven us of. And we, it's hard for us sometimes to let this, those things go. But we can't have a higher standard, so to speak, than God related to forgiveness. That's pride. To think that we have something, a higher standard. When God says he forgives us, we need to leave it with him and believe him by faith that his word is true. Because his word will never fail. He has taken our sins that far, removed our transgressions from us. Transgressions are willful disobedience. The word sin means to miss the mark. They'd use it when they would shoot arrows. And when they would miss the bullseye, they would say, I sinned. So that can be anything. Oh, I'm I'm going faster than the speed limit. Whoops, sorry, I sinned. I I broke the laws of the land. Sometimes that's transgression. We recognize we're going over the speed limit. But I'm saying there are times when we sin when we don't realize it. It's by accident. That's covered. But this is something different. And it's true, obviously, for the sins, too. But he's making, it, he's making us see that transgressions are something so, because, so different because we, we grind under those things. We, we, we are concerned about how God can forgive us because we willingly did it. When we forgive somebody, isn't it harder to forgive somebody when they willingly hurt us versus when, when, when they did it by accident? Or it's hard for us to come to before a person when we willingly hurt them versus when we accidentally hurt them. And so our confidence before God can be shaken related to purposeful hurting him, going against his word, and, and transgressing. That's what it means. It means to cross the line. And he says, I've removed those things. Don't let those things hold you back from approaching me. Because I've told you that my throne room is a throne room of grace. Not what you deserve or legalism or any of those things. Because he wants us to come boldly before him. And that's a benefit. That's something that's a blessing from him that we could be thankful for. The fact that we can know that our sins are removed far, far, far away from our lives. And that we're never going to have them be remembered against us any longer. Even the things that we did that were purposely against God. And all of us have done those things. As a father pities his children, verse 13, so the Lord pities those who fear him. Think about that. You know, Jesus at one point told the Pharisees, your father is the devil. And, and those that are in rebellion to God and don't know God, in a sense, their father is the devil, too. The, the whole world is under the sway of the evil one, we're told in Scripture. And, and they are doing what, what the enemy would want them to do. They're deceived. And they're doing things that please their, their, their sinful nature. But once we come to know God, he, he goes from being God to father. And, and then... Jesus even went further than that to reveal to us that he wants us to call him daddy. That's what Abba means. And you go around Israel today and you see little kids running around, Abba, 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 Abba. Talk about easy to say. I mean, I thought daddy was easy to say. You can't get any easier than Abba. And God's saying, just say to me that, you, that, that I am your, your daddy. That's the intimacy that we have with him, And he wants us to know that he has compassion. He pities, just like we feel sorry for our kids. You just look at your child sometimes. 
And you just stare at that child and you just go, you know, I just feel sorry for you because you're just not getting it. And we just feel sorry for him. We just think there's just no hope for this kid sometimes. But we're the same way. We're the same way. Maybe you heard that. I heard that a lot when I was a kid. Uh, they actually verbalized it with me. <laughs> but, but God looks at us just like a father and says, I have pity towards you. And not like looking down condescending or anything like that. Like, I, you know, I pity you. You know, like I look down at you. Uh, but having compassion, and those, and he pities those who fear him, and that means, that means to really fear him. I mean, to have an awe and a respect, but but to be to realize how big he is and how small we are, and in light of our transgressions and all those things that we do against him, to realize that he is still a father that has compassion on us. And Hebrews chapter twelve tells us that if you are, if you don't realize that God is your father then you are at a great disadvantage because you're then you're illegitimate children. And what father doesn't discipline his sons? I think that the most consistent parent in the universe is God the Father. He is so consistent and so thorough. And he takes us to the woodshed and he, he gives us a good spanking. And he has us sometimes take out the small little stick, the switch, you know, you know and says, I want to show you something. And he teaches us something. And he says, I, I pity those and I want to discipline you for your good. That's what we need to remember when we're under the hand of the Lord. And he's disciplining us, that he wants to discipline us and have pity on us and help us for his purposes so that we can become more and more like Christ. And that is a blessing. That's one of his benefits. Then he says, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Just so we, we realize that he knows who he's dealing with. Because you think about, God, I'm just failing you. I'm failing you. I'm falling short. And I'm so frail and so weak. And, and we can lose sight of the fact that he knows all that. He made us. He knit us together in, his mother, in, in our mother's womb. And he knows us intimately and closely. And he, and he knows how weak we are. And he knows that we're just dust. And he knows that what we are just so frail. And he says, I know that. I know your shortcomings. I know how frail you are. I know that how, but my grace is still sufficient. And my mercy and my grace is still what you need. And he says, be thankful for that. That's one of his benefits. Then he says, man's destiny here in verse 15. He says, as for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. So he gets very specific. We are frail. We are but dust. And he says we're like these things that we can relate to all the time. The grass and the flowers and so forth. It has a season. Now James tells us by the Spirit that our life is a vapor. It's here one day. It's gone tomorrow. And that's why we shouldn't say, you know, I'm going to go here and do this and do that without considering the Lord. He says, pray, you know, and say to the Lord, if it's your will, uh, may I go here or there? Because our lives are not our own. But he makes us remember that our lives are here and gone just like that. And what we do for him is what's going to last. All that we are going to get when we get rewarded at that Bema seat is based on this life. And we live our lives as if we're going to live for eternity in these bodies, in this world forever. And that's all there is. I'm not saying all the time, but many times we do as believers. And he says, get your eyes off of this frail, temporary, you know, fleeting life that you have and get your eyes on me and what I have you in the middle of. 
And it's a great thing to know that he knows that because that's a blessing. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. Wow. Mercy of the Lord. We're never going to exhaust that. You're going to be exhausted, mankind. You're not going to last forever, humankind. But my mercy will. And it will outlast your physical frame, or as the Old Testament says, carcass. I like that. It's clarity. Our, old, our bodies are called carcasses in the Old Testament in the King James. His faithfulness and his mercy is going to far outlast our physical lives. And I am so thankful for that. It's something to rejoice over. That's something to be thankful for because we're going to need mercy. Why would he have mercy that goes that far if we weren't going to need it? We're going to need it. We're going to need, we're going to, not that we're going to be sinning in heaven, but we're going to need his, to him to be all that he is uh, in our lives even then. And to those who fear him, and it goes on even in our physical line right now to generations. We think about our, the generations, how God is starting something. You know, my, my family did not start out at all. I'm not talking about my immediate family, but my, the family that I grew up in did not start off serving the Lord at all. And now my two sisters and myself and even now my other half-sister and my half-brother and so forth, they've come to know the Lord and the whole family tree is changing now. And my children... I'm just so thankful for him. And I just pray that the Lord raises them up to be godly adults so that they can be the same thing to a lost world that I want to be to this lost world and to his people that I want to be to his people. But he says God's mercy goes beyond just our lives. It goes through our lineage. It goes through from generations to generation. He passes on a heritage onto us. We are, we are the... We are the, the end result or the product, so to speak, of many believers' lives all the way down to now. We are that heritage, and we're going to continue that by God's grace. To such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. So he brings obedience in here. Because true believers demonstrate the reality of who they are by obedience. Not perfection in that, but generally speaking, our lives represent obedience to him. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord if you don't obey the things that I say? That's a very searching question. Every time I look at it, it's convicting to me. But he says, you can't call me Lord, Lord, and think that you can live however you want to live. And these benefits shouldn't be squandered on a life of disobedience. Because we can enjoy the blessings of God to an extent not, and hold something back and not be obedient to the Lord and what he's telling us to, to, to be in the middle of and to do and so forth. And, and we're, we're going to be robbed of so much of what he wants for us. We want all his benefits. Am I the only one here that wants all his benefits? <laughs> to be experience all those benefits? Well, what, part of that comes by obeying his word. He doesn't bless us only because we're obedient, that's for sure because that would leave out grace in his mercy about what he's been speaking. But there is a type of blessing that comes because of our obedience. We can't leave that out. He loves to bless us because we're obedient to him. I tell my children regularly, obey the Lord, do what's right, and you will put yourself in the position of blessing to the best extent that you possibly can, not for your own benefit supremely, but for God's and his glory. And so he tells us that, today 
And then he says in verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. We don't think that sometimes. Seems like sometimes that that's not the throne that's ruling over this world. We talked about last week, we can get discouraged about the way this world's going and the direction and, and the country and so forth and godliness appearing that it's reigning. But here we see in God's word who's ultimately reigning. He establishes throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. The scripture says that God is, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He, he is sovereign and supreme over this world. When, this, when Satan wanted to attack Job, he had to go and get permission from God first. Everything that, that happens to us related to the enemy has to come through the filter of God's sovereignty first. And so that, that God's not the author of evil, but he has set things up and he has allowed the enemy for a time to be on this, in this world to do the things that he's doing for a purpose, but he ultimately is not the author of evil, but he is in control. So whatever we're going through, whatever we're struggling with, his kingdom rules over all. And I'm excited and, and looking forward to the fact where I'm in front of his kingdom and his throne, his physical kingdom and his physical throne and you know, worshiping him with everything that I have, thanking him for all these things and more because of what he's done in our, in, in our lives. Bless the Lord, you his angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of the word. So, of the word. so he's not just telling us to, to, to obey. He's telling the angels to obey too. That's the spirit of God. You don't, you're not saying this stuff if you're not anointed by the Lord to say this stuff. We're not telling angels what to do. You know, but he's inspired by the Lord because he, he, they're listening and they're listening into what's going on between him and the Lord. You know, and, he, and, and, and you, his angels, who excel in strength, do his word, or heeding the, the voice of the word. We forget that angels are ministering spirits that are given to, to minister to his people and among his people. We don't even see it. There's probably angels here today. But they are subjected and submitted to God's word, just like he wants us to obey his word, like he says in verse 18. And then he says another reason to bless the Lord. All you his hosts, talking to the angels again, you ministers of his, to do his pleasure. That's what they're called to do, to do things for his pleasure. And that's what we're called to do things for, his pleasure. Our lives are meant to be a blessing to him, not supremely to ourselves. Verse 22, bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. We are his works. We're told that we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. That word workmanship means poem or a work of art. We are his workmanship created for good works. So we are his works. We are supposed to bring him glory and, and worship him. Not with just with our lips. He talks about many times in the scripture those that worship him with their lips. But what? Their hearts are far from me. That's not what he wants. And he wants it to go beyond our hearts to overflow into our lives. So our lives represent worship to him. And everything that we do and say and what we're about and what we're given to and what we're you know, in the middle of and, and, and trying to be a good influence for, all of it needs to represent worship. It has to be freely from our hearts as a response to what he's done for us. We talk about that all the time. So, so many things to be thankful for. So many amazing benefits of his Far beyond what we can even look at, though, in these verses. We haven't even exhausted these verses to say nothing of exhausted who he is and his benefits that go beyond 
the confines of these verses. But he's a great God. We want to worship him. Now, before we worship and we have an extended time of worship, I want to give a few of you an opportunity to share something that you're thankful for, to come up here and just say a few sentences uh, and just to share something that you're thankful for that you want the rest of us to know. It could be the simplest thing. It could be thankful for my children, thankful for my job. I'm thankful for how he healed me from a certain sickness or how he was there for me at a very crucial time in my life. Just the things that he just gives because of who he is that are small things, just to bring him glory now. Just anything at all. And, and just, just a few sentences, a paragraph or whatever, just, just something that you want to testify. You want to bring him glory. Now, just submit your hearts to the Spirit. Because he may want you to share something, uh, and you may not have planned to share, but he's prompting you to say, I want you to bring me glory right now among my people and to share something. And so I want to give an opportunity for anyone here to share. Anything, anyone want to come forward and just share a word or two? Ken, come on down. I'm thankful that God has given me the grace to forgive and to be able to forgive. Um, unlike who I used to be, I am not today. So I'm able to sit back and forgive somebody who has wronged me and be able to treat that person and to love the sinner but hate the sin. Anyone else? You have something on your heart you just want to bring God glory for, share, and just say, this is what he's done in my life, and I'm thankful for this, or it could be the smallest thing, it could be a big thing, it could be uh, something that you didn't expect that you were going to share. Uh, anyone at all. Don't feel pressure, and I, you know, I'm not pressuring anybody. Don't feel sorry for me if it's just John and, and Ken, uh, because I'm just being obedient to what the Lord said. Whatever he wants to do, that's his choice. John. Well, I'm thankful that uh, the Lord has brought us here um, and the Lord has uh, healed our marriage and uh, brought me closer to him. And, you know, I'm so glad that I've got him in my heart. Thank you. Anyone else want to share something? Lorelai? Um, verse 4 spoke to me, um, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. I thank the Lord that he has spared me so many times of all the destruction that were bound to happen. But looking back, I'm so grateful that he saved me. I praise him every day. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. Anyone else? You know, sometimes it's just um, Deborah, okay? There was a, um, can you hear me? Okay. There's a scripture that has been um, 
sort of a foundation for my life. It's Psalms 127. I'm pretty sure it's Psalms 127. It says, Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord watches the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain it's one of those scriptures that always is playing in the back of my mind. And it's just been awesome to see how God establishes those parameters for us so that you know if you're if you're building your life, whatever you're doing with your work and your heart and he helps you establish that. He gives you the direction and and then he helps you do it and blesses you. And so I'm really thankful for that. It's just awesome. Anyone else want to share something that God's done in your life and you want to bring him glory? I sense that there's, oh, you're raving your hand. I see that hand. Adam, and then we'll, then we'll get Yasmin. I just have to say I'm so thankful for uh, just seeing God working in our lives, just um, coming to California and, and how much he's done and, and uh knowing that real soon we could be transitioning and possibly moving somewhere else. But I'm so thankful that God has, has just just shown himself in our lives. You know, and even now, recently, just, just revealing himself and how he's working, just to kind of show us that, that he has that history with us and that he's going to continue to have that history with us. And that no matter what happens, that he's going to still be with us and that he's got a plan for us. And he just shows it in all the small things lately. And psh, it's so cool because God does not have to do it, but he does. I'm so thankful for that. Amen. Yes, Bean? Um, every year at Thanksgiving, we all sit down at the table and we list one thing that we're thankful for. And as a joke, every year, like one of me and my sisters will say, we're thankful for the toilet. But... In all honesty, we are. We're thankful for our parents that bless us, and they love to bless us with those things and the essentials that we need because not everybody has those, and not everybody has parents that love to bless their children. So I'm thankful for my parents and my sister. I'm sorry. Well, that'd be something that our parents would be thankful for right there. It goes without saying. Anyone else want to share? Mr. Rubin. Oh, Paul, then Rubin. Yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for, um, for the freedom that he's given me. I mean, he just uh, saved me many years ago, and, uh, man, it's just changed my life and just... Uh, He's taken away that whole burden of hate that I have to do this or I have to do that. He's done it all. No matter what I am, you know, he's done it all. And, uh, man, that's a great position to be in. You know, that's a, that's a freedom feeling to know that, hey, he died on the cross for me. You know, I can only do what I can do and do the best I can, but in the end, he did it all already. And so that's a great thing, I think, and uh, I am really thankful for that. He's given me a great wife and a, a, a good life. And they're really thankful for that, even in the bad times. So that's the key. Even in the bad times, we can thank them. Because uh, without him, 
what would we have? You know, so that's, that's all. Brother Rube. First it was Reuben and then his wife, so he's sending his spokesman. <laughs> he's high up there, man. He has spokesmen. And... Well, I'm thankful for the joy of the Lord. Um, it goes beyond our circumstances. It, it goes beyond our, our health, our finances. Uh, and I'm thankful that through it all, we can have that joy of the Lord. Even with the death of a loved one, there's still joy in the Lord. You can have that. And um, I'm so thankful for that, that, that no matter what we face, we can still have that joy of the Lord, and it never fails us. You say everything. Oh, Reuben, too, double whammy. Either she didn't do a good job as your spokesman, or you have something to say. <laughs> Uh, first, uh, I am thankful for, for, for the Lord, for God sending Jesus. You know, I'm thankful that, that my life, even though I was deceiving myself, was lost in a mess. And I'm thankful that he loved me even when I was transgressing, even when I was doing my own thing. And uh, I am thankful. You just saw her right now, my wife, who prayed for me and loved me. And I'm thankful for my family. I really, truly am. And uh, she, never, she never ever told me what I had to do. And she gave to God. And, and God touched me in a way that nothing, nobody, no finances, nothing this world could ever do. So I am thankful for God. I love him so much, and I'm uh, just thankful that he knew what I was going to do, and he never gave up on me, and he is an awesome God, and he is, like the psalm says, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's very merciful, and I'm just thankful for my family. I really am thankful where he got me here, and for my church family as well. Anyone else? Something on your heart that you want to share? Um, not just, oh, yeah, I see that hand. Well, oh, and we got Gary. Um, I'm thankful to be here. <laughs> um, some of you know I've been having a lot of health problems here lately, and um, it feels like your body is just your enemy. Um, but I know that God is stronger than that. And that he, he could heal me like that if he wanted to, but um, he's letting me persevere, and he's letting me learn new parts about his grace. So I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for his grace. Um, and I'm thankful that, you know, through this trial, he's teaching me to be, to get less of my identity and less of my self-worth from what I can perform and what I can accomplish and it's slowly you know being transferred to um, just that I'm his and that's where my identity comes from my self-worth is that I belong to Jesus and um, so my body can fall apart you know everything can fall apart but I'd still be his and that's 
wonderful. And the other thing I'm thankful for is my husband. And um really thankful for all of you. Um, not sure how to say this. It's, you know, it's when God calls you to do something, to start a work, to plant a church, to open a business, maybe whatever. But he, whenever he's called you to do something, it's going to require sacrifice. And Elizabeth Elliot said that God's will is always way harder than you thought it would be. <laughs> it requires, requires a lot more sacrifice, but it's always, the result is always much greater and much more glorious than you could ever imagine. And that's how it's been with, with planting this church. It was real supernatural with the way the Lord led us here and confirmed again and again that the, he wanted us to start this church. And we were excited and we had no idea how much sacrifice it would require and how difficult it would be. But every week when I come here and I see, you know, Dave Miller serving, I'm thankful for Dave. I see Ken here, so thankful for Ken and his faithfulness. Uh, Pat by the door, just all of you. I mean, I could name all of you, the Ticos, the Waltrips, the Marquette, you know, I can't even, <laughs> I could just name all of you. I'm so thankful because in and of ourselves, you know, we don't really have much to offer anyone. Um, we only have Jesus, and we only have the Word of God. And for the Spirit of God, that's enough. You know, that's enough for the Spirit of God to use to change people's lives and to transform them more into the image of Christ. And so, when I come here every Sunday and I see people coming and taking advantage of what God has created here, I'm just, I'm so thankful. And it makes every sacrifice and every difficulty worth it to know that people are taking advantage of what God has done. So we're, we're all thankful for a bunch, right? But that's just a little bit. Mr. Fian. I'm just thankful for his grace and how he remade me and took this prideful, self-centered person who was walking the wrong path for a long time and broke me down and showed me really who I who I am on my own and showed me who I can be in him and has fulfilled every promise that he has ever made and continues to fulfill his promises in my life and he is taken me and given me the opportunity to serve him on so many levels and he doesn't need me at all but he wants to use me and I am so thankful for that I am just so thankful that he thinks I am worth anything for his glory we, now, we, want, we want to now um, 
spend some time in worship, and we're going to have an extended time of worship. So we're talking eight, nine, I don't know how many songs, but um, we're going to go, could be as late as 1230. The children's ministry already knows that. So uh, feel free to uh, um, just worship the Lord, and we have a lot to be thankful for, and we want to respond appropriately. So, And also feel free to stand, sit, kneel, whatever you want to do. We're just family here. Uh, but just, I encourage you, there's so much that he wants to uh, uh continue to do in our lives, uh, but we want to honor him with what he's already done in our lives and in, in worship. So let's not hold anything back. Let's just let it all go for the Lord. Dave? Thank you. 